Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Take Back My Brain. I am your host, Lori Hammer, and I'm really excited today to have back Dr. Ken Cooper. Um, if you remember, he was on a few weeks ago and we talked about concussions. So today we're going to talk back some back to school stuff, kids health and how to balance the brain and keep kids focused and healthy throughout this next school year for you. So Dr. Cooper, thank you for coming back. Hey, it's my privilege. I, I I enjoyed our last conversation and I look forward to the next one and next one after that. Next one after that. So I haven't had this podcast very long and you're already a repeat. Oh gosh darn it. I know. So it's been fantastic. We'll have to have you on who knows how many times. So I love our conversations. Yeah. Yeah. So my audience, as you know, is made up of a lot of moms and to, if you're a mom, you have kids, right? So all right. these, everybody's concerned about, you know, how do I keep my kids healthy during school? And so, you know, I teach a lot about nutrition and, you know, changing the diet. And I know a lot of people come to me, their kids come to me and they've got attention deficit issues and um, maybe some anger outbursts or whatever. And so, you know, they may have to put them on medication or at least they think they need to put them on medication because the school is asking for that. So I work with the amino acid therapy but you come at it from a, a different angle, right? Um, right? How do we calm that brain so that you can have better attention? So what would be an angle that you would take if a mom came to you and said, you know, my son can't sit still in school and he can't concentrate and he's acting out, what would you say to them? Um, I, I would say that there's going to be kind of a multifaceted approach that we want to look at this because there is a um, an energy a brain energy component that we need to address. Number one, there is a connection uh, potential problem that we need to address. There is a nutritional component that would look at both toxicity and deficiency. Sure. Um, there is a activity and a fitness requirement. And then there is that identifying of stressors that your body can't adapt to. Okay. So with all that being said, let I me just tell you, I, I'm going to tell you about the young man I just finished with. Uh, it's a Thursday and I'm normally not in the office, but this happens to be the son of a chiropractor friend of mine. And he um, had a bad concussion playing hockey and he plays in Alaska. Oh, wow. and you know, Alaska. So we actually just did this work with him today. And it was really interesting because the number one thing we have to look at is we have to look at toxicity because in most of these kids that are having outbursts or not being able to pay attention. And in his case, he was a straight A student going into school. He had his injury and then he failed or had to withdraw three classes in the next oh. semester. Mm -hmm. So what I discovered with him was number one, there was a toxic overload of petroleum. Wow. Okay. Right. So, so where does petroleum where are we getting that? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So let's talk about that first, and then we'll talk about where it came from. So okay. number one, you know, if we eat an avocado or if you have fish today or you have olive oil on your salad, that oil is so easy to break down. You're going to break it down in one day. Right. But if you uh, decided to stop at Chick-fil-A or you got French fries from McDonald's, those, those oils that we deep fry in, those take our bodies 142 days to break down. Say that again. How many days? 142 days to break that down. So everybody's 
McDonald French fry finish takes them Absolutely. 140 days, which right. if you eat them once a week, you're never, ever breaking it all down. Right. And so what do moms say? Moms say like once on their lips and forever on their hips. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that that's one of the issues. But but petroleum is like seven times worse than that. Yeesh. So it almost takes three years, a little over three years to break down petroleum. It's crazy. So where do we find that? Right. Well, number one, we find it in things like Vaseline. Yeah. And we find it in like in his case, it was chapstick. So I asked him, I said, do you use chapstick? And he goes, yeah, I use it every day. And he pointed to like the counter where his things were. And there was the thing of chapstick. I was like, all right, that's wow. got to go. Right. You can do Burt's Bees. Right. That's a non-petroleum based product. Yeah. Right? There's plenty of different options available. But that that chapstick is a, a big problem. The other big problem for him was scented candles. Oh, sure. Scented candles. And then my other question for him was like, all right, you're a college student. If you were like my sons when they were in college, they probably didn't wash as often as they needed to do laundry, but they used a lot of Febreze. Mm -hmm. was, no, we don't use that. I'm like, okay, good. That would be another resource. One of the things we'd be concerned with. Uh, but laundry detergent, um, household cleaners, lotions, um, skincare products. And so, you know, there's a great app for the phone and it's called think dirty yes think dirty is a free app and it was done by the environmental working group and uh, i think they're up to eighty thousand household products that they've evaluated and what's so cool about them they don't really care what the manufacturer says they just they just blight out flat out tell you like this stuff's great or this stuff's terrible yeah. and last i saw they give you kind of a letter grade so you got like an a to an f mm -hmm. and so, you know an a you can use and a b i'm okay with but a c a d an F, Not yeah, that's yeah. thrown away. Yeah. So, so the very first thing we found with this young man was the toxicity, the, the the problem that he couldn't get his brain momentum going was there was this toxicity. So we had to find a way to detoxify the brain, which we did. But then what we had to do is we had to we had to detox the body and detoxify the brain. Kind of the cool part was the solution to detoxifying his brain was also a product that puts a child into a positive mood. Oh. So um, kind of competes with that serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I don't like that idea. Kind of the idea of that is, you know, like you wash your fruit in the sink, but now you're going to take all that water that you washed with and you're going to bring that back again. You know, that just doesn't make a lot of sense. And now, now that the research about... Prozac and Wellbutrin and Xanax and and all of those uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I don't know if you saw this, but like a month or two ago, there was this big release of the data where they said, "Oh, yeah, guess what? You know what? We kind of falsified our data." Yeah. And we found out that that the homicidal and the suicidal effects of these drugs were enormously downplayed. And now we're coming to find out that that and, and this is a really controversial topic, but most, and I would say, if maybe not all of those mass shootings, those people that were on those drugs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've never heard of one that they weren't. No, I haven't either. So, um, and, and there's a lot of people that have, you know, heard of that or been a part of that. And that's going to kind of strike a chord, but it, yeah. it's a reality and it's a truth. And so, you know, we really don't want our children to be 
put on those kind of medications that are really going to lead them down a bad path. We'd much rather like neuroprotect with like good fish oil. Correct. Right. So the omega-3. Now, uh, there's a great test that we can do with children that are called a, a quant test. Okay. Not familiar with that, but it's I a little, not. oh, it's, it's super cool. Okay. Um, like right there on my shelf, I could show it to you. Uh, you can get it from all sorts of different resources. Um, and what, what you do is you do a little finger prick and then you put the blood on this little card. You set up an account and then you mail that in. And within two weeks, what they do is they come and they show you your omega-3 levels as compared to your omega-6 levels. And then they show the omega-3 levels as compared to the bad oils that cause all of the damage called arachidonic acid. Right. And, and so this is a brilliant test because you can do this with your child. And, and, and again, it takes a little finger prick. And literally within two weeks, you can know, is your child's brain um, neurally protected? Is your child's brain going to continue with momentum? Again, momentum. Think of that. You're riding a bike up a hill and then you stop. Well, trying to regain momentum and get started again is a nightmare. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. But we want, and, and again, what does that look like? Well, that looks like a child that can't concentrate or is obsessive compulsive or, you know, all these different categories like ADD, ADHD, OCD. These are all kids where brain momentum has been lost. We want to preserve that brain momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do want to talk about one particular um Omega-3 supplement. You and I can get it from the brand Standard Process, and it's called Tuna Omega-3. Okay. And, and what makes Tuna Omega different is that, and, and this, this oil is extracted from the tail fin and from the side flippers, but Tuna is the only oil that exists in a five-to-one ratio of EPA to DHA. Hmm. Most of the ones that we use, maybe the Nordic Naturals or Metagenics or any of the other ones are typically one-to-one, maybe 1 to 1. Very rarely you're going to find a five-to-one. Why that's so important is about 25 years ago, there was this research that took people that were actually so depressed, they were suicidal, and they were able to stop like all their symptoms within 60 days. They right. did it by putting on a five-to-one oil. Okay. So, you know, in our office, we, we kind of call that the, the cuckoo pill. Um, right. Uh, but, but really when we have those kids that are just emotionally struggling and struggling up and down, getting them onto a tuna omega and they make a chewable one as well. I mean, it's probably not my favorite tasting thing in the world, but you know, for a kid, you know, they can tolerate it cause it's got a little lemony orangey flavor to it. Um, but that's, that's a great, a great thing to add. Uh, just right off the start. Sure, sure. What about dietary changes? Like, what are we looking for there? Well, so the number one thing is going to be anything that's going to be, um, that's going to change brain chemistry and going to excite brain chemistry. And, and really, our biggest challenge is going to be sugar. Right. There you go. Yeah. And, and really, when we talk about sugar, and we may have talked about this during our concussion talk, um, but if you think about the arteries that line the brain, and actually all arteries in the body do this, there's these cells inside the artery that lay 
side by side. And you think of them like fried eggs, right? Imagine you have fried an egg and you put it right next to another fried egg. And this is what gives the artery protection. Well, those cells are like sugar. And when we have like a child drinking a soda and we looked at like a bottle of 16 ounce Coke today, because I was sharing this with that young man I was telling you about, and there's 65 grams of sugar in that. So 65 grams, I mean, every four grams is one teaspoon. So we're talking about that. It's almost 16 teaspoons of sugar in like one regular Coke. Right. That's I know. And, and I've done talks where I take it and I fill it in a jar and I'm like, would you give this to your kid? And they're like, no. Well, then right. let them drink Coke. Yeah. Why would we do that? Why would we but do see, that? here's the biochemistry. So when the sugar goes into the cell, <clears throat> if you remember, sugar is hydrophilic. Hydrophilic means loves water. Right. Right. So you got these two cells. And then as soon as the sugar and the water starts going into them, they start to swell and they start to pull apart. And now rather than like fried eggs, now they're like hard boiled eggs. Mm -hmm. But in between that area, that artery is being stretched and inflamed. Right. And now your body's going to require your cholesterol, your LDL cholesterol to come in and start giving it some relief. But the thing is, is that even like when we look at what the blood pressure would be in that area, that blood pressure is going to rise. So, you know, when we talk about kids, you know, on the severe end, you're going to hear them say things like, oh, I got this pounding headache or it feels like my head's going to explode. You know, immediately we have to look back to sugar. Right. right. When we have to start controlling those things that are modifying and, and accelerating that sugar control. But then the other thing is because it's such a massive stimulant, um, you know, you, you want to make like any kid go wild, give them a couple of red vines right? and they're going to be off the chart. They are. Yeah. So I, I think sugars are our number one thing. Our, our number two thing, and you probably see with this as well is, um, Kind of the artificial foods mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. our, our rule is if god made it you can have it and if god didn't make it just stay away from it and yeah i understand god made the guy that made the oreo cookie but that's just not something that grows no it doesn't grow uh, nothing in there grows no <laughs> no no you yeah, know and then it be in the know, same shape and form that it was a year from now that it is today chances yeah. you probably shouldn't eat it no I, agreed yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, there was a, a great piece written. I'm trying to think what the name of it was. But it was a guy that wrote the book about Doritos. Okay. And how Doritos changed everything. Because Doritos was the first commercial food that was made with a flavor that was completely created. So before that, if you wanted, like, you know, raspberry iced tea, you had to have raspberries and you had to have you know, tea or you had to have lemons or, you know, whatever it is you're making. And Doritos was the very first thing that was chemically created. I didn't but, know. Yeah. And it, there's a guy that wrote a book and I, I wish I could remember the name of the book, but if you Googled, you know, the story of Doritos, it'll pop up because it was like a best-selling book and it was pretty brilliant. Um, but, you know, he was the one that talked about like, even the flavor of the corn chips is all artificially created. Like that's a completely artificial thing. And what was funny was in Spanish, Dorito means a little part of gold. 
And and he was hired by Frito Lay, and this was his big idea. And so he brought like we're bringing the gold to this company. Now Frito Lay also years ago hired uh, the author and economist Paul Zane Pilzer, who is a kind of a friend of ours and a mentor of ours. And um, he he was on pretty much three or four different U.S. presidents' economic board. Um, and uh, he was hired by Frito-Lay to come up with a slogan for their potato chips. Okay. So he said, well, let me do a little bit of research on this. So he went uh, to the plant and, you know, had somebody walk him through and he goes, okay, what's that? Oh, that's where all the potatoes come in. Okay, great. What's that? Well, that's where we scrub them down. Okay, great. What's that? Well, that's where we chop them. Okay, great. And then we wash them again. And then that, what's that? Well, that's the, you know, like the salt bath that goes into before it gets cooked. Okay. And then what's that? He goes, oh, well, that's a chemical we put it into that stops satiety. He goes, does what? He goes, oh, satiety. He goes, what's satiety? Because that's when your body knows it's full. So, I mean, again, ask anybody, like if you were hungry, Lori, and I said, oh, Lori, I've got these fresh bananas. Would you like a banana? Yes. Would you eat one? Yes. Right. W would you eat two? Probably not. Yeah. Would you eat three? No. Of course not. And then we brought out um, oranges. Mm -hmm. Would you have an orange? Yeah. Great. How about two? No, probably not. Right. What about three? No. Right. And then we brought out apples. Would you have an apple? Yeah. Would you have three? No. No. The reason why you wouldn't have three bananas and the reason why you wouldn't have three oranges, and the reason why you wouldn't have three apples is because of satiety. Your brain knows when it had enough potassium from the um, the banana and it knows when it had enough vitamin C from the uh, orange and it knows when it had enough pectin from the apple. But Frito-Lay, Doritos, potato chips, stop your brain from knowing when it's full. So, you know, you at home, tell me that this is the, the truth. It's a Saturday, you're at home. You make lunch for your child, you know, you make them a nice sandwich, you have a pickle and you have a bag of chips and they take a bite or two from the sandwich and they take a bite or two of the pickle and they mow down the whole bag of chips. Yep. Because, yeah. because that company knows for a fact it can chemically sabotage that child and that person to continue to eat them without stopping because it's chemically been altered. Paul Zane Pilzer, Pilzer what a smart dude. He came up with a slogan. I don't know if you remember this or not, but it was called You Just Can't Eat One. Oh, yeah. And that was that. right. After that, he wrote the book The Wellness Revolution. And I think he's got a second edition of that out already. But you know, at that point, his conscience hit him and he's like, I I I, I can't in all, you know, um harmony be right with myself if I'm not telling the truth to the public that these foods, these empty foods like chips and like every mom when it comes to school you know you're gonna make them a sandwich and you're gonna buy them you know maybe something snacky and you know they all got that that thing of every type of chip yeah. every one of them is gonna stop their brain from identifying when it's full and they're gonna eat that entire bag and then they're not eating yeah. the good stuff that you want them to eat the grapes and the ham sandwich Absolutely. whatever it might be exactly yeah. yeah yeah and then you end up with malnourished kids Exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And malnourished kids are not going to physically, mentally, emotionally, scholastically perform the way they need to perform. 
That is so true. So true. Yeah. So what are we doing to fix it? Well, you know, so the thing is, is that in our household, um, when I heard Paul talk about this, he was talking at a seminar in Vegas and um, and I heard him say that from the stage and I literally went to my room and my wife and we had four kids and there was a bag of Doritos there and my two-year-old was just chopping on them. And I told my wife what he had just said and we just literally picked those up and threw them away, threw them away. and <laughs> have not had them since. Now, luckily, there's some companies, there's one that we have here in Southern California that's called a Siete, number seven in Spanish. Right. We have that too. Oh, okay. Great. That's a great choice. Exactly. Right. Is using uh, cassava flour. So it's tapioca root and there's no corn, there's no wheat, there's no, there's no gluten. They're not using safflower or sunflower oil. So they're not using the oil. Does it take 142 days to break down? You know, and, and that's a really kind of a cool choice. Um, if if somebody wants something like that, that there are things available, you just gotta you just gotta look, you gotta hunt a little bit. You do have to hunt a little bit. And the CSA brand is great. They even have um like tortillas and stuff that you can use for lunches and yeah. a lot of great products. Even if you don't yeah. want to make cookies, they have little satiate cookies. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of on that thought of tortillas, um, my wife and I, we, we don't eat a lot of grain, uh, but one of the things she found was, was super cool is she found jicama, um, almost looks like a tortilla, but it's made of jicama. Okay. And fun. so we did, we did soft tacos with that. They were phenomenal. Right? I told her, you know, we could even put those in the air fryer and like, you know, form them. So they're like, like a, you know, a V taco shell. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. like, okay, that was a cool thing to find. Gosh, I've never seen those. I don't know that we have those here. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> yeah, jicama is a really fun, crunchy, non-sweet vegetable. You know, it, it kind of kind of tastes like, like an apple without all that sweetness. So if, if you're a person that just doesn't, doesn't you know, doesn't, doesn't have that big sweet tooth, jicama is a great choice. Oh, yeah. No, that's really yeah. good. Really good. Mm -hmm. Right. So what else would you say to this mom? So we, we covered some dietary changes. We covered, you know, brain support with some nutrition. Right. Well, so we also come to find that um, those children respond amazingly with very specific chiropractic adjustments. Okay. And, and again, the first thing is to evaluate, to find out, is that indeed going to make a difference? So, you know, um, I always ask the mom to bring the child, let me evaluate them. You know, we have very objective findings that we're going to use to identify, is this going to be part of a solution? And, and, and really, when we think about like the physiology, the, the only way the brain communicates to the body is through the nervous system. Oh, yeah. But the nervous system is surrounded by this coat of armor called the spine. But you can think of like, you know, a, a knight back in the days of, you know, chivalry. You know, if you put your armor on backwards, you're not moving very well. Nope. And so, you know, we want to make sure that that, that spine and that nervous system activate and operate. And, and again, there's kind of another connection to that. When we go back to school, one of the things we really want to think about is, is immunity, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because you're going to see a lot of other kids and there's going to be other things that your body needs to attend to. And we kind of want that to happen. We'd rather the kid be out and playing with other kids so that they, they have these other um, things get to them and then they can yeah, figure share out. Share the microbiome, yeah. Absolutely. So the, the, when I was in school, like 
38 years ago, they said, well, here's your nervous system, here's your immune system, here's how they're connected, and that's what they knew. Now, when I went back and did my pediatric degree, what they know now, it's one of the same. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same system, which means if the nervous system is depressed, immunity has to be depressed. But if the nervous system is excited and balanced, immunity is excited and balanced. So, so here's some of the statistics that we know in chiropractic. Number one, years ago, and I think the late 70s, there was this great research project done in the New York Preventative Medicine um, Research Facility. And what they were looking at is they were looking at immune competence. And basically what they were doing is they're measuring a chemical in the blood called thiol. And thiol like a DNA repairing enzyme. So it's how strong does your body repair itself? Okay. And what they're looking at is they're looking at people that were going through chemotherapy and radiation and surgery for cancers and all combinations of those and people that were diabetic and people that were having like autoimmune conditions, arthritis and such. And then they looked at people outside of that. They looked at people doing acupuncture and people doing nutrition and doing chiropractic and people doing like exercise or yoga. And it was a real brilliant study, but the chiropractic group was the one I want to speak of because their age rate went from eight years old to 80. They were being adjusted once a week and their research project, I mean, they were, they were doing these blood draws, but really they saw these changes starting in about three months, but in six months is when it really locked in. And what they found was that chiropractic group was 400% stronger than any of the disease groups. 400%. 400%. And here's the crazier part. They were 200% stronger than the next highest group. Wow. Okay, so what does that mean? That means find me the strongest person you know. You know, she eats right, she exercises, she takes care of herself, and I can start adjusting you. And within three to six months, I can have your immune system 200% stronger than hers. That's crazy. Yeah. But then when we take that person and we add that to like the things that you master, right, you're talking about you know, a family that doesn't get sick. Or if they do, and it's okay to get sick. A healthy, a healthy body is not one that doesn't get sick. A healthy body is one that recovers right. when it does. Right. Right? So you know, we want a child to build that microbiome. So we want that stuff to happen. And we want them to have their, their response and their reaction so that you know, later in in life, they can be healthy. And I think that that's where kind of the combinations of what we do together really builds. Uh, The other one that I'll share with you is um, research about white blood cells and specifically in the upper respiratory area. So lungs, sinuses, throat, things like that. And in the research showed that the white blood cell count increases not by like one or two times, but like 15 to 16 times within 45 minutes of a chiropractic adjustment. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. So yeah, in that's this, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. In this office, we have, I mean, we have all sorts of stuff on the wall. On the wall, on the floor over here, we have um, different people that do chalkboards. So when we have a miracle, they get to do it like a chalkboard. And then we you know, take their picture and yeah, yeah. show them off. But anyways, there's one that's sitting over here and um, she's talking about her PET scan. So this is a gal that battled cancer and that and literally it says my white blood cell count went from 700 to 1300 in one week after being adjusted. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that building immunity is really super strong and really powerful. Um, having our our parents supplementing with vitamin D. Right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite vitamin D? Um, I generally use systemic formulas, um, yeah. vitamin D, but there's some other good ones out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does systemic have a good one for children that, that's pretty um, palatable? Oh yeah, they do. It tastes really good. They have a nice. Oh, liquid. perfect. Yeah, they have nice. a nice liquid. Yeah, which one do you like? Well, I I like the liquid. I like that one. Uh, Metagenics makes the liquid tastes like like chewing gum. Uh, I got to tell you, my favorite comes from Nordic Naturals. Okay. They have a professional. They have a gummy, um, vitamin D three plus K. It's like a thousand units of vitamin D, and it's raspberry flavored. And I like I have a bottle that we open for samples, but all my doctors go and just right. Eat them all, day all, day. The, all these adults are going to rush out. To exactly. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to kids, you know, I'm always kind of aware that we get much better um, compliance. Compliance when things are a bit more palatable. Right. And sometimes they're not, and we just have to deal with that. But yeah, yeah that's that's you know, trying to build immunity. I really like. Um, the, uh, the vitamin D3, uh, also elderberry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Elderberry. Yeah. Elderberry. Yeah. Um, like if you've got a good chewable vitamin C, um, that's that's pretty dynamite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Nice, a nice good multivitamin. And I will yeah. tell the moms out there from one mom to another, you know, and I know this is my profession, but still, my children have never had an antibiotic. So whenever they've had an ear infection or they, they get right. something going on sinus-wise, they get adjusted immediately. Like it's call on the phone, say, Hey, can we get in yeah. for adjustment? You know, yeah. and usually within 24 to 48 hours, they're yeah. pretty darn good. Right. And yeah. my daughter's never ate at McDonald's. My son is, uh, I could probably count on one hand the number of times that he's actually been in the building, you know, and, yeah. you know, and he's 25 and my daughter's 16. Right. And so right. it is doable. It is doable. It has it right. takes a lot of intention. Right. Um, but Again, people say, oh, we can't avoid antibiotics. Well, I have for both my kids. My son's going to be 25. Right. So it, it's right. really doable. It, and I, I would say beyond uh, the McDonald's and Burger King and the things, those things we avoid, um, I personally probably been in a Starbucks maybe under a dozen times in my life. Oh, yeah, and, and mainly because the ones that we were close to were in a hotel and you couldn't avoid it. Right. So kind of that same idea is that we really want to be cautious of caffeine and especially caffeine with children. Buying that's a them. big deal right now. So many kids are addicted to coffee. And I'm just shocked that, you know, all these kids are walking around with lattes and it's the cool thing right now. And, you know, when I do a lot of brain, brain balancing, the first thing we cut out is like, you can't have coffee anymore. Right. So, and, and it was never a thing when I was little, we, you know, like, oh, that's just what mom and dad or grandpa and grandma drank was coffee. And right. who likes coffee? Yeah. So it's exactly. just it's because they're just full of sugar. And that's why the kids like them. It's just. Right. Yeah. And it's sugar is probably the most addictive drug that there is. Yeah. Completely. So they're going to be drawn to that. But yeah, the, the caffeine, you know, like when we think about like that re reactive hypoglycemic, um, that's all a caffeine driven problem. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, your friend Dan Pomp and I were in uh, Rome one night, 
years ago and he and I had a discussion till about three in the morning over maybe a couple of bottles of wine about the the dangers of caffeine and the and the problems that exist with caffeine and it was it, I, I really wish I were to record that conversation because it was so good. Oh, I would love to bend a little fly on the wall while you had that. Or actually yeah. just sitting at the table with you would have been fun. Yeah. 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 Well, let's let's dive into it since we brought it up. Let's talk a little bit more about caffeine because it's not just, you know, the kids that are drinking the coffee. It's caffeine is in a lot of things. So let's talk about Red Bulls and oh. just, I, I mean, because it's so prevalent among, you know, the kids, especially the teenagers and, you know, right. early 20s. Like that's so detrimental to your immune system, to your brain health, to your bones, to everything. Exactly. Yeah. So if we are ever doing like a sports physical, our conversation is always absolutely under no circumstance is Red Bull or a monster or any of those uh, energy drinks, five hour energy, none of that. Absolutely. And so the biggest concern that we have is that caffeine is a dehydrator. Correct. And so as a dehydrator, that's going to make poisons that are already inside of us more concentrated. So just if you spilled poison on your driveway, you'd squirt it down with a hose. You want to dilute poisons. You never want to go the opposite way and make them more concentrated because when they become more concentrated, they become really challenging and, and more detrimental. So you're right, bone health, brain health, body health, uh, just just horrid. The, the one part that I'll touch on uh, that you might not be 100% aware of is about blood sugar. Yeah, let's and, talk about that. Okay. So are you familiar with how caffeine can affects blood sugar? I am, but tell our listeners. Okay. So when we eat, things go into our stomach and they're kind of big ball of bowl of acid and it boils everything down. And when it goes out of the stomach, it goes into the small intestine. There's a tiny little sensor right in the beginning of the small intestine that identifies when there's things that are going to turn into blood sugar, when there's carbohydrates. And as soon as it identifies those carbohydrate signal, it sends a message to the organ called the pancreas. And the pancreas job is to help us absorb sugar but how it does it is it makes this little key that fits in a lock now every single cell has got this little lock and imagine like a little door mm -hmm. this key opens up right and that key is what we call insulin so if you can imagine that you're on vacation in a place like las vegas where they've got those massive hotels and you've got that little key card that you can just slide in your door but your key card opens every single door on your floor. And so you're running down the hall, opening every single door. But the moment you open it, there's actually a room service guy right behind you that brings food and feeds the people in there and then immediately freshens the room and cleans the room. So all the dirty towels and all the trash and bed gets made. And it's like instantaneous, right? Food goes right. in, waste comes out. Food goes in, waste comes out. And that's how this system works. The problem that we have is that caffeine stimulates that sensor. Mm. So when caffeine stimulates that sensor, right, and you're running down, opening those doors, well, unfortunately, there's no food with it. So there's no room service guy behind us. And sooner or later, the people in the room are like, okay, yeah, I'm not falling for that again. That's, you know, we call that the boy that cried wolf, right? right. I'm not doing that. And that's what creates insulin resilience. 
And insulin resilience is what leads us to type 2 diabetes. And so we'll find, and this is a very common thing for our practice, that if a person comes in and, and type 2 diabetes is on their list of complaints, the first question is, are you a coffee person? Yep. And are you a coffee person that has coffee in the morning and doesn't eat until later? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's our problem. Mm-hmm. So now mm-hmm. we have to change that insulin resilience. We don't want that for our children because what's going to happen is that that sugar level is going to drop. And when that drops, they're going to fall asleep in class. They're going to have to out in class. And, and that's what we call that. We call that that reactive hypoglycemic. The young man that I worked out with just today and I told you about a little bit ago, he would tell me that his hands would get shaky. Oh, yeah. and so he was trying to write. And then so he realized he couldn't write anymore. So he takes all his notes on his computer because his hands are still shaky, but he can hit the he can hit the keys. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty adaptive guy. But it's like, OK, well, let's just frick, fix this problem so that this is not a problem. We don't anymore. have that anymore. Let's do that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, removing the caffeine, where do they find caffeine? You don't find it in coffee, not find it in tea, you find it in chocolate, you find it in soda, and we find it in like energy drinks. And the highest concentration are absolutely the energy drinks, the espressos, um, the the sodas, um, and then to a smaller degree. You know, if you look at the average amount of caffeine in a cup of coffee, typically it's about 30 units, 30, I think it's milligrams. I think they measure it milligrams. I might be wrong. But um, like a cup of green tea might be eight. Right. right. You know, it's a third, which is a bit more acceptable. Um, You know, when we talk about those energy drinks, they can be up to like 120 grams. So like four cups of coffee. And it's not an uncommon thing to see, like, maybe a high school age athlete pound down one of those energy drinks before they go and they compete. And, um, you know, that's you're just lighting the candle on both ends of the fuse. You're lighting the fuse on both ends of the candle. That's what I meant to say. So, um, yeah. So uh, we're, we're really sensitive to caffeine. And like I say, in every sports physical, the first conversation is like, yeah, game day, workout day. There's no caffeine. Just we don't do that. Is there any sign that caffeine can be beneficial? I'm sure there is. Um, But I have to say, in the last 36 years, personally, I've had one cup of coffee and I've had one soda. I'm about on the same pace. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, so, you know, again, maybe the question is, are you are you a being that requires chemical modifications to survive? In other words, do you need that cup of coffee in the morning to wake you up? Do you need that glass of wine or shot of whiskey at the end of the day to calm you down? You know, and, and our adrenal system should be able to give us that circadian rhythm so we don't need that. You know, and I'm not opposed to you having a glass of wine from time to time. I'm not opposed to you having like you know, a drink when you go out with your friends. I mean, that that's that's an acceptable adult activity. But if you need that to happen, right, if you need to drink the five-hour energy at three o'clock when you're getting tired, and you have to realize that you are having a ke- chemical dependency, and, and that's an issue that, 
you know, they need to turn to a professional like you or me to get that addressed and get that handled because the body was designed to create that energy. It's just not designed to lose the momentum. And again, ride your bike up a hill and stop. Trying to regain momentum is a nightmare. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think we get to the root causes to why you need that stuff in the first place. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd like to revisit this gentleman, this young man that you had earlier and you're talking about yeah. petroleum toxicity. And so we've kind of gone over things that you, um, would recommend to say him yeah. or, you know, parents that are listening, but let's yeah. go back to the toxicity issue, because I think that's an area where people are like, Oh yeah, I know about fish oil. Yeah. They probably shouldn't have sugar, but let's, let's hone in a little bit more on the toxicity piece because I don't feel like that's probably known as much or understood. Right. Um, I understand that. Okay. Well, that's a great question. So in our bodies, we have an organ that's called the liver and the liver's got like five high priority jobs. It's got like 500 jobs. Yeah. There's five jobs that are like critically important. Number one, clean all the poison out of the blood, right? So that it doesn't store somewhere. Number two, clean all the poisons out of the sewer system of the body called the lymph nodes. Number three, connect and disconnect all your hormones. We call that conjugation, but connection and disconnecting. Number four, make bile and bile uh, stores in the gallbladder and bile breaks down fat. And number five, it makes antihistamines, right? So that you're not sinusy girl or sneezy girl or that kind of thing. So when we have a toxic overload and we, we particularly use a system to identify what, in, you know, specifically that toxin is, whether it's a, um, an immune challenge you know, is it a parasite? Is it a bacteria? Is it a virus? Um, is it a food allergy? Is it um, like a like a, a, a toxic chemical or is it like a heavy metal? So I, I would break those into the four categories. Um, immune challenges, food, um, toxic chemicals or heavy metals. Um, but each one of those kind of present a little bit differently, but Mainly what we want to do is we want to support the liver. So what is one of the best liver supports that pretty much, you know, if you were unaware, if you were unable to get to a professional to go in and, and attack this, we would look for a thing that's called silymarin in milk thistle. Yeah. Milk thistle is a dynamite liver detoxifier. Now in California, along the freeway, we got these pretty little green plants and they got these little pink flowers and a little bulb under it. They look like tiny little artichokes. That's milk thistle. Okay. You know, and it, it grows here naturally. But milk thistle and silymarin are a liver detoxifier. Now, we like to use some that are just maybe a little bit more advanced that can also be a poison scavenger. Mm. So I like ones that not only are going to help the liver break things down, but are going to go find where the body hid that toxicity in the first place. And so um, that that's something that I, I kind of dig on. There's foods that are going to do this. Um, you know, we love things like cilantro and parsley. The dark green leafy vegetables are definitely poison scavengers. Um, there was another one that slipped my mind. Oh, and of course, beets. Beets are the food... God gave us to make a high quality bile. Right. So feed that liver to make quality bile so we can break down those terrible fats. Um, 
when it comes to a heavy metal, they're called a heavy metal because they're literally heavy. Uh, aluminum is one. Mercury is one. So, you know, if you've got your child up to date in vaccines, you know, you've got an enormous overload of of these these heavy metals. You know, particularly, let's just talk about the one that um, is given at birth, and that's hepatitis B. Right. Now, I'm not going to say that I'm an anti-vaxxer, but I'm going to say I'm a smart vaxxer. Because if you were in the Congo and you get bit by a cobra, okay, an antitoxin keeps you alive, right? I am totally okay with that, right? right. However, okay. if you want to give an infant a vaccine, particularly like hepatitis B, that number one, hepatitis B can only be transmitted from IV drug use or sexual contact. And by the manufacturer themselves, they only say the thing's good for six or seven years. Like what six-year-old do you know that's sexually active? or that's an IV drug user, right? Exactly. But the thimerosal, which is the mercury that's in that, you have to be 245 pounds to be able to offset that dosage, right? That that to me is a big problem. So like, if you know, if mom's pregnant and she's just not knowing better and she's just not been educated and the doctor goes, oh, time for hepatitis B shot, boom, right to the toe, right, it's already in there, you know, that's a big problem. You know, and um, and that can lead to all sorts of different things. So mercury is going to be a heavy metal. We're going to find that in mercury vapor lamps. We're going to find it a small degree in seafood. We're going to find that in um, dental composites. But the, the biggest part of that is going to be these different vaccines. Right. Um, we have to be able to get something into the body that's going to chelate that heavy metal. So what is chelation? chelation and we do an oral chelation so we do it through a tablet there's some people that do it through blood mm -hmm. but if you can think of a chelator chelator is like a lifeguard so if you can imagine this really heavy person in the water and they're struggling and drowning and you get this tiny little girl that dives in in the lifeguard and all she does is spins them around and gives them a big bear hug and pulls them out of the water that's what chelation does right because with a heavy metal when you stand up in your upright part of the day it's going to sink down your feet. It's going to sink to your fingers and you know, your fingertips. And the thing is, you can't maintain blood pressure high enough to push that out. You would stroke first. Correct. So it's just going to stay there. Now, when you're lying down, now it's in circulation, but we're only going to extract so much in that position. So, you know, what we would do is we would use the chelator to actually go grab that. Now, there's only one other little caveat to that, and that is, in that process of chelation, there are trace amounts of those heavy metals that are in the brain that have to be there to feed all the little glands that are in the brain, you know, so that we can have, you know, physical, mental, emotional balance. And um, that we, whenever we use a chelator, we have to reestablish those minerals. So we always put the trace minerals back in, whether right. it's trace minerals by themselves or whether it's that with like in a multiple vitamin, whatever's going to be easier, more palatable for the child. But but that's that's how we would get out heavy metal. So so if you were concerned about, you know, like I've given my child, you know, all these vaccines. And let's face it, when we were kids, there was like eight to 10 and now there's 72. Right. And, and we just got to start making some really good decisions as to like what makes sense to us, you know, and and. The, the fact is, is that, 
you know, my children weren't vaccinated. Your children weren't vaccinated. You know, we we know we our kids never got sick. They don't get sick. Right. And, you know, when uh, my friends, I have I have a friend that's running for president, uh, Robert Kennedy uh, Jr. Yes. And um, another colleague of ours, Del Bigtree, that Dr. Pomp and I talked with and met with. Um, they went to the FDA and um, the CDC and they said, we want a non-vaccinated versus vaccinated health assessment for children. We want to know who's the healthier group. And they said, we will never do that study. Absolutely will never do that. And so most recently, and this was about the last two months, there was a group that does childhood immunizations in third world countries. And the two primary doctors and researchers on this um, said, hey, you know what? we got the data because we've been doing this for the last 10 years. So we already know what these kids look like. And when they extrapolated the data, um, the one guy, and I can't tell you the name of him. I saw this on a video, but he said, I literally can't sleep with myself. This is because I was going to these places, vaccinating these kids against like DPT. But what he found out was they were being protected against pertussis right. and tetanus, theria. However, they had a five times higher likelihood of dying from something else. Correct. And 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 and, and again, this guy's like, I, I don't know what more proof you can give that you know what this did that pathologically primed the body. So now it was so susceptible to something else that it just couldn't defend. And, you know, when you talk, you, you're talking about a 500% increase in death in children. That's just terrible. It is. It is terrible. (laughs) Did you hear about the Amish study that came out recently? I haven't. Tell me about it. So they were, there's, you know, the Amish is about as pure as you get in the country that we can really, you know. And so they went in and they, they did a study on the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And they didn't find a single case of autism in the unvaccinated in the Amish. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. So, you know, preschool stuff, you know, you go for your physicals, you get your vaccinations and right. not anti-vax either. I'm, I'm, I'm smart vax. There's a time and a place for specific right. ones you right. know, for certain times. Um, and um, I think we've been duped to be quite honest with you. So uh, I didn't mean just to get into a controversial, you know, podcast, but let's just, I mean, we'll just call it what it is. So right. um, we have to right. talk about these things. You have to detox, you know, once you understand what's right. going on and what still is hiding in the brain and hiding in the tissues right. of us and our kids. So, right. And I think that that's kind of the, the, the key to it is detoxify the body, detoxify the brain, because it is my experience that when we indeed do that, these children that have severe problems like autism and those severe problems like ADD and ADHD and OCD, those kids make dramatic improvements. And no, and as a matter of fact, we have a child right now that's in our center who the mom just did like a little video for me the other day because of what a difference that child's made. Maybe what I'll do is I'll, I'll send you a link. So if you want to okay. put that yeah, like into notes. the podcast, yeah. so yeah. you can actually watch the gen. You know, it was just, it was remarkable. And she was like, you know, um, I forget exactly how she said it. She might've said, you know, your pride might get in the way, all these different things might prevent you from, um, 
you know, making this choice. She says, but you know, I, I made this choice and I dove in and I went full speed and, um, this, this was remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you get your kid back, right. You get right. Them to their full potential of what they were created to be. So absolutely. And there's nothing absolutely. more valuable than that. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent accurate. hundred percent. So if you're going to recap everything, just kind of recap the, the few things yeah. that we went over, cause we've, through a lot of information at people today. But you so, know what? We always do that. You would always like, just go you know, I'm looking at the time, like we've been talking an hour. So I started. Yeah, I know. It's been good. So just recap everything and just kind of leave the viewers with um, or listeners with just a final thought. Yeah. So uh, final thought, four things that we see in these kids that we really want to address. We want to make sure their brain function and their nervous system function is 100% the way it's supposed to. That's what we do with chiropractic. Number two, we want to make sure their nutrition, what they're eating and what we're putting into their body is appropriate for them. No empty foods. Be careful of um, the sugar. Be careful of the caffeine. Those are things you really want to be watchdogging. But when we find those toxicities, we need to get those toxicities out and we need to feed deficiencies. Um, oh, excuse me. And, and one other thought about that is that when you do this detox stuff, you got to make sure they're pooping every day. Right. Oh, yeah. Got to eliminate. Uh, we want to keep them active and fit. Excuse me. <laughs> Talking a little too much. And then number four, we want to identify all those other things that are still putting them at risk and addressing those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This is a fantastic talk. Thank yeah. you so thank much, you. Dr. Cooper. Uh, we'll have another one soon, I'm sure. So this is this is fantastic. I want to thank everyone for listening. Post your comments below. Make sure you like and subscribe and that you share this particular episode with every mom and parent that you know, because it's got great and valuable information in it. Join my Calm Mom community, where we're going to continuously educate you on things outside the podcast, <laughs> protocols. We have a Q&A every single month, so make sure you join that as well. I just love all of you. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.